Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Welcome back, Intelligentsia. I'm your host, John Jeffers, here on the Jeffers Brief of Contra Radio Network. All right, my friends. For you preppers out there, let's get this started. You know, as a prepper and maybe even as a patriot, you might want to consider these three things to always have with you. This is who this is from shtfpreparedness.com. I don't like to steal stuff. So I will give you the source in which I have lifted it. So you can check it out yourself and check out the website. That's only fair, right? Okay. Um, This is not about how to build an appropriate bug out bag. Rather, it's about what you should have with you at all times, wherever you go. It goes with you in the same way. You always have your wallet and keys when you get in the car, for example. So for self-defense, you need to have some sort of weapon with you no matter where you go. Traditional weapons are simply not allowed in most public places, which make them impractical to include. However, there are, there are items which can be used for a variety of self-defense purposes. Uh, for example, a tactical pen is one of the items that should absolutely be on the list of possibilities. The average person is not going to consider a pen a potential threat. It is permissible in all environments, and it has the added benefit of being functional and useful on a daily basis. Almost everyone has a need to take notes at some point throughout the day. Some of these pens are simply made of incredibly durable materials that can be used on their own as a weapon or to break glass during an emergency. Others function as a multi-purpose tool with several different components, including a flashlight, hex, wrench, serrated edge, bottle openers. Obviously, it is ideal to pack as many valuable tools into one item as possible. Second item is food. In the United States, people are so accustomed to have food readily available anytime they are hungry, they rarely feel the need to think about where their next meal or snack is coming from unless they are actively preparing for an, on a, for an expected natural disaster such as a hurricane or blizzard. Most people don't even keep adequate stores of food in their home. True. That being the case, it is even more unusual for someone to keep a source of calories with them at all times. For the most part, it isn't even practical unless you happen to have a bag with you on a regular basis. However, there are ways to ensure food is more accessible should you need it. And the first is to carry a bottle and can opener on your keychain. If the world fell apart within the next five minutes, you'd still have plenty of time to grab some groceries from the closet store before they were wiped clean. I'm sorry, the closest store, the closet store. <laughs> the closest store before they were wiped clean. However, if they happen to be in cans, you might have trouble opening them if you hadn't planned ahead. By, by the way, use a, the military P38 can opener. And the next thing you'll want to have is fire. A waterproof fire starter can get on your keyring, go on your keyring, and you can carry a separate waterproof lighter in your pocket. Third item, water. Not sports drinks, not soda pop, not Kool-Aid, 
Not tea, not coffee. Water. Now, it's easy to keep a water bottle with you most of the time. A nice stainless steel one will help the planet out in between the apocalyptic events by reducing the number of plastic water bottles that end up in the landfill. Unfortunately, they are too bulky to carry into every situation, which is why it's important to have a backup plan. You could go without food for far longer than water, and not having access to clean water is a significant health hazard. My friends, I have three military canteens. Very cheap to purchase online. If you have a way to start a fire for food, it will also serve one method of sterilizing water. But you should always have a backup. Water purification tablets can be put into a waterproof container that fits on your keychain. Yes, this means you have a few items on your key ring now, but that's not unusual. And an added bonus, they will be easy to remember and be entirely useful. Have keys have a lot of your tools that you probably want on hand. Now, even when people truly believe they are fully prepared with stockpiles at home and bug out bags in strategic locations, they often overlook the fact that they will likely not be in one of those havens of preparedness when an emergency actually occurs. Large-scale preparation is important, but it isn't the only thing to focus on. It's equally important to remain in the moment and fully conscious of the fact that it is impossible to prepare for every scenario. By ensuring it is possible to at least maintain an ongoing level of preparedness no matter the time, situation, or circumstance, it is far more likely you'll have the ability to reach those locations that are far more fully prepared for any eventuality. So my friends, those are the three things you really should have with you at all times. I would even throw in this, a Cree LED compact flashlight. I would, that's, that's just me. But these are good items. Those are the, really the three items you must have in order to survive just about any situation. Of course, you can add to it or take from it however you see fit. It's just the... Um, idea to start carrying these things with you everywhere you go for example look at your kid they go to school what do they have with them a book bag what can you put in a book bag a lot of things including food water etc little things like that just idea now, my friends, if it's in the wintertime and you have water and you leave that bag in the car, the water is going to freeze. Yeah, it's just the way it is, the way nature is. Similarly, if you have that book bag and it's 110 degrees outside, that water is going to be very warm to drink. Can you drink it? Yeah. I, I'm just saying, be aware of the environment in which you live and in which you're transporting and carrying these things with you. That's all I'm saying. That's it for the prepper section of the show. I know you all don't want to talk about it, but I got things, other things I want to discuss with you. Oh, where do we go? Um, okay, it's starting to break now, the news. Where do I, where do I want to start with this? Um, apparently, the Supreme Court, SCOTUS, doesn't want 
it has rejected everything Trump. I have a couple I, things I wanted to say about that. And a lot of you aren't going to like what I'm going to tell you. That's all right. You know, one measure of a friend is the friend will tell you things, a true friend will tell you things you don't want to hear. I'm going to say that. I'm your true friend. You know, uh, any notion that the Supreme Court would do anything with any issue in the 2020 election is wishful thinking. Even if they did let the case go forward, how would they remedy the situation if they found that Trump prevailed in their decision? How they remedy it? The last thing government wants is a constitutional crisis. It is easier to deny any claims or filings and live with what is. So what is the bottom line? I'm going to tell you. Government is the final arbiter of its own power. I'm going to say it again. Government is the final arbiter of its own power. What does that mean? The government will decide what its powers are and what its powers are not. And the government alone will determine what is and what is not. Now, whether you be on any social platform, my friends, I want you to take a breath. Now, because, again, I'm going to tell you something you don't want to do, you don't want to hear, I'm going to tell you. All right? And this is this. Um, first, let me start off with a true story. True story alert, true story alert. As some of you may know, I worked for the sheriff's office here for 26 years, and I retired back in 2014. In that capacity, I worked the Highway Patrol Division, Warrants Division, Court Security, even did a uh, time in the jail, worked there, uh, did a day or two on civil process, which I will never work civil process again. I, I just did not like it. You know, some guys, you know, whatever. Anyways. My point being this, when I was assigned to work the court security division, actually I wasn't assigned, I asked for the assignment. At the time I was divorced, my daughter was going to school, and it was important for me to spend time with my daughter. Because if I worked highway patrol, I could work afternoons, I might have to work midnights. But if I worked in the courthouse, I had Monday through Friday, weekends and holidays off. My work hours pretty much matched her school hours. That's why I did what I did for all those years. I came, I had uh, a privilege, and, I'm, and it's a privilege, it was a privilege at the time, and I didn't realize it then, but I recognize it, you know, after a while. There was a judge, um, he worked in small claims, and it turns out the judge, he, uh, not only did he get his law degree, but he was also a Navy lieutenant commander in naval intelligence before he you know, left the military and decided to get his law degree and become a lawyer and eventually appointed an associate ju circuit judge. Um, 
I forgot how we got to this thing, but we were in back in his chambers talking one day. There was we didn't have any cases going on. We were waiting for something to break loose so we could do something that day. And um, I asked the judge. I said, "Judge, you know, I heard during the trial one of the uh, one of the state prosecutors was asking potential jurors where they get their news from." And if they got their news from, say, CNN or MSNBC or whatnot, the prosecutor would uh, ask for that juror to be dismissed. If the juror said Newsmax, OAN, or Fox, he would keep them on. Now, you get X amount of preemptorily cha- uh, preemptor challenges for any juror. Both sides do. Not a big deal. But I asked the judge about it. I said, hey, what do you think about this? And the judge says, well, they're, they're allowed to. They can, you know, challenge for any reason. You know, they don't like the way the guy looks. They don't like his shirt. He's got mustard on his tie, whatever. Anyways, I asked the judge. I said, judge, you know, what news, you know, do you usually listen to? And this, I, I, I swear when he said it, I, was, I just about dropped dead. <laughs> He says, well, I listen to CNN and MSNBC. I said, why? And he said, well, he says, when we were in Intel, when I was working in intelligence, we had to, you know, listen or watch or read uh, our nation's enemies. We had to listen to their broadcasts, their newscasts, their newspapers, radio, whatever. And, um... And said, okay, I'm listening. He says, you do that so you can see what the other side's thinking. What, you know, what are they doing? What's happening with them? That kind of thing. He says, it's called intel. That's how you gather it. You have to, you know. He says, I don't always agree with what I heard, but I had a chance to listen to what they were saying. Because many times they would let slip, in the whether it's in the, you know, News, TV, news broadcast, paper, book, whatever, whatever medium they were looking at. Sometimes they would slip up and they would let something out that maybe it gave you a clue to what was going on on another situation or another circumstance. I said, ah, I get it now. Okay. So it's like an intel gathering. He goes, yeah, exactly. I said, okay. Which brings me to this. Now, I know you thought the story was innocuous, and it's not because I'm going to tie it all together for you now. And that is this, whether you're on, say, mumblet.com or MeWe or Gab or Facebook or Disgracebook, as I like to call it, or Twatter or USA.life, whatever social media platform you're on, you know, personally, I think social media is the toilet of the internet, no argument, but if you want to get your message out, sometimes you got to, you know, you got to get in the, you know, the toilet to figure out what's happening so granted on occasion you should not not block liberal trolls that are on the platform you're at no 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 do not block them you don't have to agree with them one if you're on a free speech platform let them say whatever they want. It's free speech. You may not like it, but you don't have to listen to it either. But don't block them. Why? Because it gives you a chance to see 
what it is that they're complaining about or whining about or wetting their pants about. You got to, you, like right now, we have one on Mumblet. He changes his username on it, you know, every almost every other day. And he posts all his liberal stuff, Democratic Party stuff, how bad the Republicans are. And right now, he's bitching about Ted Cruz taking his kids down to Cancun and coming back. That's his thing. So in other words, they want you to worry about Cruz, but don't worry about what, don't worry about what Biden's doing. Well, you know, anyways, that's why do not, you don't have to, don't respond to them. You don't have to post anything to them. See what they're doing. See what they're thinking. See what they're whining and complaining about every day. That way it gives you a chance to think about, well, if I run across a person who thinks like this, What's my response going to be? Now you know. Now you've got a heads up. you got an idea of what they're whining and complaining about. Remember, you know, Democrats, you know, always have concerns, issues, and problems. What they don't have are solutions. Their solution to everything is, A, throw money at it, and B, government's the answer. That's, that's their answer when you get right down to it. Okay. Now, I hope that you wouldn't block somebody just because of their political outlook. That's as bad as what Disgrace Book and Twatter do. Oh, we don't like what you say, so we're just going to shut you down and ban you. You, you. you can't say that. Real true Americans can tolerate, mature true Americans can tolerate dissenting opinion. And besides... If you are truly a patriot, if you're truly an American, you believe in free speech. Doesn't mean it's speech you have to agree with or speech, you know, you like. What the issue is that people have the opportunity to say what they think. Now, let's get on to other things. That thing kind of just irritates me when I see that. Yeah, I get irritated with them too. But I don't block them. Let's see what they're complaining about. Use them as an intel. You know, Project Veritas has this great thing where they, you know, uh, they they're able to infiltrate a bunch of you know liberal Dem organizations like Antifa or BLM, and they make their you know whoever they planted there is getting video and you know recordings and all that stuff. They've infiltrated the organization, and they hate that. So, it's kind of, again, like an intel operation. You know, you don't have to like it. You don't have to listen. You don't have to respond to it. All you got to do is see it for what it is. It's an intel opportunity. What are they thinking? What are they saying? What are they doing? What do they want to do? What are they planning? Stuff like that. Where are they going with this stuff? It's a, You can't respond until you know what you're going to respond to. So, <coughs> just an idea. I wanted to put that out there for you. So don't go crazy if you're on you know a social media platform and you get a liberal troll. Don't block them. Don't respond to them. Because first of all, when you don't respond to them, it drives them nuts. It drives them nuts. Now, they're not getting the attention that they so wantonly deserve 
that they crave, that they need to feed their intellectually sized egos. Oh, I'm so smart. I got it. Why aren't they responding to me? I'm so smart. I'm telling them about this. That's what you don't do. Drive them crazy. That's why they changed user hand, you know, usernames, handles, whatever you want to call it. Well, this doesn't work. Well, I'll try this this one. Yeah, who cares? Let them switch up all day long. Doesn't matter. Their posts are still going to be the same. All right, American Thinker. Um, something interesting. Wanted to share it with you, my friends. Uh, John Green. February 22nd. Nice little column here. I want to share it with you, if you don't mind. Uh, uh, Somebody sent me an email the other day. They said, hey, John, I like listening to your show because it's like going to the bar and everybody's just sitting around talking, you know, whatnot. Well, I'm glad to hear that because that's kind of the way I like to run it. But anyways, uh, Joe Biden held hostage day 34. This is by John Green. And it's interesting. Uh, he says, Joe Biden conducted the most anemic presidential campaign in history. Using COVID-19 as an excuse, he stayed off the campaign trail for months, limited press access, and held strange rallies with no voters in attendance. Well, sometimes 12 or 20 might show up. When he called a voter fat and challenged Donald Trump to a fist fight, we knew he was past his prime, and his prime was never very impressive. Nobody has ever admired Joe for his intelligence, wisdom, statesmanship, or creativity. No, it was obvious he was merely a transport mechanism to deliver the White House to the political left, rather like a political Trojan horse with a coexist bumper sticker. Now, while we expected a Biden presidency would have nothing to do with Joe Biden, I certainly didn't expect to look like this. Now, is it just me, or do his executive order signing ceremonies look like a creepy hostage situation videos? Prisoner sitting at desk. Check. Prisoner appears disoriented and confused. Check. Prisoner reading a statement clearly written by someone else. Check. Mass captors flanking the prisoner to keep him on script. Check. <laughs> well, look at it. Now, it's important to note that in these situations, the power doesn't reside in the guy sitting behind the desk. Regardless of his title or any trappings of importance, the power is held by the mass captors lurking in the background. The power brokers in the Harris-Biden administrations are San Fran Nan and not Mrs. Brown-Harris, the most liberal former senator, and the most unhinged current congressman are the real shot callers in the executive branch now. This raises another question. Why would two people from the legislative branch be so anxious to circumvent the legislature? Joe has signed something like 50 executive orders in his first month in office. That puts him on pace for the most executive uh, orders of any president in history. This is an affront to representative governance. Now, a quick read of these uh, executive orders reveals why the speaker and the vice president are using executive orders in lieu of congressional legislation. Most of the orders being signed could not possibly withstand public scrutiny. The American electric still has a substantial helping of divinely issued common sense, even if Washington doesn't. If these measures were debated in Congress, the citizenry would be screaming at the representatives to knock it off. A reading of the executive orders reveals the ambitious radicalism is hiding behind some very innocuous titles. For example, let me go through them for you. Ensuring a lawful and accurate enumeration and apportionment 
pursuant to the decennial census is an order to count illegal aliens when determine how many congressional districts each state will be allotted. Uh, here's another one. Preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation is an order to ensure that transgender people may use any restroom they choose. You got about this one. Protecting worker health and safety is an order expanding the authority of OSHA to include measures like mask wearing and social distancing in private businesses. How about this one? Don't like that one? How about this one? Protecting the federal workforce. Is it an order to unionize federal employees and protect bad performers from termination? Can we save VA? I'm sure we can. How about this one? Tackling the climate crisis at home and abroad is an order to re-enter the Paris Climate Accords, restrict fuel exploration, and to designate climate change as a national security issue. So does that mean that the Patriot Act may be brought to bear against climate deniers? After the Russia collusion hoax and FISA gate, who can say? How about this one? Restoring faith in our legal immigration systems and strengthening integration and inclusion efforts for new Americans. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Is in order to ensure aliens, even those of the illegal variety, have access to government programs and benefits. It also changes the public charge calculation so that visa applications are not denied merely because the applicant would depend on government assistance to live in this country. No? How about this one? The last one. This is a good one. You'll like this one. Establishment of the White House Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships is an order to expand policymaking with regards to community faith-based programs. To an operator of a church outreach program, can there be anything scarier than a federal employee telling you they're going to partner with you? Hmm. Remember, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Oh, okay. Now, rather than debate these matters in the House or Senate, the power brokers have decided to just have the old guy in the blue suit declare them to be so. They achieve their goals, and Joe gets all the blame. I still have one question. Why the rush? Joe's signing executive orders at a pace of almost one per day. The administration is behaving as if they're working to a deadline. Could it be they're trying to get as much done as possible before Joe inevitably blows up his own presidency? You know, Joe being Joe. It is only a matter of time before he says or does something so socially unacceptable that he becomes unsuitable as a delivery mechanism. What happens when the useful idiot is no longer useful? What, you go join BLM? Go join Antifa? I don't know. So that's where Section 4 of the 25th Amendment comes in. It allows the Vice President, working with the Cabinet and the Senate, to remove a President who is no longer able to discharge the duties of office. Given that Joe wasn't able to discharge the duties while running for the office, making this declaration after he's, a, after, after he's in office seems rather straightforward, doesn't it? So with Joe Biden out of the way, what will the new administration look like? It will be a, the Harris-Pelosi administration with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, some call her AOC. I refer to her as the ass of Congress, serving as the new Speaker of the House. I only wish buyer's remorse were a company I could buy shares in. Republican prospects for the 2022-2024 elections are looking better all the time. Now, John Green, who wrote it, he's a political refugee from Minnesota, 
now residing in Star, Idaho. He is a retired engineer with over 40 years of experience in the areas of product development, quality assurance, organizational development, and corporate strategic planning. If you want to get a hold of him, you can reach him at greenjeg, green, J-E-G, at gmail.com. Interesting, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? I just wanted to put it out there, my friends. All right. Now, I know I did uh, publish the show. Is it yesterday? I think so. Yeah, published it yesterday. I'm going to do it. I did another one today because some things I just wanted to get out there. Wanted you to hear it. Wanted you to you know, think about things. Again, yes, liberal trolls are out there. And there are conservative trolls who also go after you know, the libs on disgrace book, twatter, and whatever. You know, what they do, I don't care. What I'm asking is, one, remember, freedom of speech. You may not like it, but don't block it. Allow it. You'll be more educated for it because you'll know where, again, what the liberals are screaming about, what they're wetting their pants over, what their, you know, the high, shrill voice of screeching, you know, what, whatever, they, whatever it is they do. You'll know about it ahead of time because that's what they're talking about. And it gives you time to formulate a plan of action should you run across these people. And they say, well, what about Ted Cruz going to Cancun? So, and, and don't forget, you don't have to respond to them. By not responding to liberal trolls, it drives them nuts. Don't do it. And, of course, like I said, they'll change their identities like they always do. And that's okay. Oh, my Lord, the sun came out. Ooh-wee. What do you know? Uh, all right, my friends. Thanks for listening again. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget about our new uh, show with David. It's uh, the lightning round. You'll like it. And, of course, we have the prepper guy, Mark. A little bit off, but provocative nonetheless, believe me. Yeah, I've tried talking to him on Skype sometime. <laughs> he gets going. He just got kind of like... Eh, let him go. Let's see where he goes with it. All right, my friends. Thanks for listening. I'm John Jeffers here on the Jeffers Brief on Contra Radio Network. If you're looking to, hey, look, we're always looking for a sponsor for our shows. You want to be a sponsor for our show? Want to sponsor all the shows? Get a hold of me. Please, we'd appreciate it. Get a hold of us. Uh, Contra Radio at Live.com. Contra Radio at Live.com comes directly to me. And I will share it with our producer Don Lowry. I might even share it with Mark Boyle if I, you know, if he can, you know. For all I know, Mark is building a bunker under his house. For all I know, I don't know. He does things like that. You know. Anyways, until next time, be alert, be vigilant, be prepared. Until next time, John Jeffries here on the Contra Radio Network, saying thanks for listening. <laughs>